0: Psalms 119, 1-8 Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord.
1: Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord.
0: Blessed are those who keep his testimonies.
1: Joyful are those who obey his laws. Who
0: seek him with their whole heart And
1: search for him with all their hearts.
0: They also do no iniquity.
1: They do not compromise with evil. They
0: walk in his ways. They
1: walk only in his path. You have
0: commanded us to keep your precepts diligently.
1: You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully.
0: Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statues. Oh,
1: that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees.
0: Then I would not be ashamed.
1: Then I will not be ashamed.
0: When I look into all your commandments. When I
1: compare my life with your commands. And
0: I will praise you with a brightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. As
1: I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should.
0: I will keep your statues.
1: I will obey your decrees.
0: Oh, do not forsake me utterly.
1: Please, don't give up on me.
2: Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, If you haven't already, if you would reach into your bulletin, you'll find one of our study guides And you can take that out and get ready. Grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack and uh, uh, we'll jump into our study here in just a second. Um, the, uh, The passage we're studying today, Psalm 119, is one that we have worked through before. Uh, Maybe you remember, some of you have been here eight or ten years, and honestly, I don't know how long ago it's been because I could not find any of my notes. I thought I was going to be so far ahead in research and, and prep work, but I couldn't find any of my notes on where we'd gone through Psalm 119 before. And So, this is all fresh, I guess, in some ways, but... Uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but we worked through that psalm, and we're going to begin that process today. Working through Psalm 119. Now, there are 22 sections. Each section has 8 verses. We are not going to try, at least my intention right now, is not to try and push through this week after week after week. It may happen that way, if that's the way God so leads, but... Most likely that's not what's going to take place. Most likely we'll hit a couple of weeks or three weeks or four weeks and then we'll take a week or two or a month off, whatever. We'll just see how God leads. I know for certain that uh, for Easter Sunday, I say certain, I don't know anything for certain. I know at least for right now that uh, God is leading me in a certain direction. And that may change. We'll see how that goes. But uh, if, if it continues to be led in the same direction, then we will do something different from Psalm 119. The importance of Psalm 119 is that it's all about the Bible. Now, I know in the day and time in which this was written, they were focusing primarily on the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But for our consideration since we have the entire counsel of God in our Bibles today then it's important for us to recognize that the application here is for us to know and study and learn the entire Bible. To be engaged in the Word of God. We're going to see over the course of this study how vitally important it is. Every single section brings us back to the concept That the Word of God must be priority in our lives. And if it's not, I'm telling you what, if it's not priority in our lives, we're going to find some incredible problems in our spiritual journeys. And so I want to bring our attention, our hearts, and our thoughts to this place to where we begin to see that God uses His Word through the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, those of us who are part of the family of God, He takes the Word of God and He uses it to bring us to maturity. He brings us to a new place in our relationship with Him, our journey with Him. He brings us in a new place of understanding, of protection, a new place of, of overcoming temptation. This is a very, very important study. And so... Every chance you can, I wish you would be here to 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 engage in this particular study of Psalm 119. Because in this study, as we'll find out as we read through it, it's all about the Bible. Now, this morning, I want to walk you through uh, four thoughts. Maybe you understood what was happening with David and Candice reading. I've put two different passages of the same passage of Scripture, but from two different translations on your study guide. The first is the one I typically use, the New King James Version. The second is one that I typically study from, and that is the New Living Translation. You'll see both of those. I wanted them to read them like they did. One verse or one phrase from one and the same phrase from the other, so that we could see the the. the the way it brings it together. For me, in reading the New Living Translation, it helps me understand a little bit more about what's being said. And it, it saves a lot of time if we're already there at that place to where we understand. Because okay, so we don't have to walk back through and, and, and break down. So this morning, I'm not saying this is the new way it is. We'll see where God takes us on that. But this morning, I want to speak more directly from the New Living Translation, which is going to be the second one listed on your study guide. So then the four parts, as I've studied and as I believe God has led me to understand this, begins, number one, get ready to write, we see the blessed, the blessed. Now the New King James Version calls them the blessed. The New Living Translation calls them the joyful. Notice, if you will, verses 1 through 3. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in His paths. So here we find that God is blessing incredibly a group of people. Now, over the last two weeks, we've seen the same thing happening, haven't we? week before last, the book of Psalms, last week, First Chronicles. And what we've seen through the process of this is that when God is blessing according to what we find in these passages that we've studied, it wasn't a broad thing to where God blessed the whole world. Now, there are times when God blesses the whole world. The Bible specifically says when God allows rain to fall on the earth, He is blessing everyone, the just and the unjust. But in relationship to our study today, we find that that group is much more narrow. That God isn't blessing the whole world. In fact, God isn't blessing every single Christian. But in fact, He's very specific about who it is that are the blessed. He tells us in the first part of verse 1, it's people of integrity. In the first part of verse 2, it's people who obey God's law. the first part of verse 3, people who don't compromise with evil. Okay, so there's, there's the right way and there's the evil way. If it comes to a particular decision, a particular journey, a particular action, there's a right way and if there's an evil way associated, it's someone who says, you know what, I am not going to compromise here. I know if I go this route, if I take these steps, then that's going to mean more money in my pocket. It's going to mean more prestige and more power. But there is no room for compromise here. I'm not going that direction. These are also people who have a very direct objective in their lives. In verse 1, it says the objective is to follow God's instructions. Verse 2, the objective to search for God with all their hearts. Verse 3, to walk only in His paths. This is the objective of those who are blessed by God. We find something really important when we bring these thoughts together. And in fact, I wish you would just write this next sentence down. What we find is that Those whose lives are directed and governed by single-hearted devotion to God is the same as those who are blessed. So then the blessed of God, let me say it again, are those who are directed and governed by single-hearted devotion to God. Directed and governed by single-hearted devotion to God. Now, when he tells us in the the, uh, first part of verse 3 that these are people who won't compromise with evil, that's where this single-hearted devotion comes in. Single-hearted devotion that they are solely set on honoring God. There is no room for me to say, okay, well, what I want to do is honor God and glorify God and be devoted to Him on Sunday, but through the rest of the week, I want to change that and be devoted to my bank account. Or I want to be devoted to God on Sunday and through the rest of the week to my power, my prestige, or my position, or whatever else you want to put in the blank. There is no room. Jesus was talking about this with a group of people, and he said, You cannot love God and money, you can't have it both ways. You can't be fully devoted to God while being fully devoted to money. Because he said, either you'll love one and hate the other, or you'll hate the one and love the other. There's no room for two gods in our lives. Please get this. This is so vital. And so he says there is the only place for us to be, and to be blessed of God is to be single-hearted in our devotion to Him. So that God is God of my life. Now when that happens, when God is God of my life, then everything else falls into its proper place. When God is God of my life, my family falls into their proper place. When God is God of my life, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my daughter, son-in-law, and grandson fall right into its proper place. When God is God in my life, my relationship with you as my church family falls into its proper place. And it's also important to understand that when it's in its proper place, then I'm not going to be able to, to begin to move pieces around. You know, back in the day, a lot of years ago, churches held their pastors to such a level that the church was to be the number one priority. Now, it may still happen some places. And and they were actually leading and instructing and drawing the pastor away from God's will because the church had to be the priority. Here's where you spend all of your time. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Here's where you do it. And so there's no time left for the family. There's no time left for God. I've got to spend all my time at the church. I can tell you what, if it ever gets to that place, that'll be the day I leave because my family is more important to me than my church. God's given me a responsibility to care and love for my wife, to care and love for my family. And you can bet that they're going to take top billing in my life right below God. And when God is at the focus, the center point of my life, then everything else takes its proper place. And so he says, these are the blessed. These are the blessed. It is those whose lives are directed and governed by single-hearted devotion to Almighty God. Number two. Your next fill in, he brings us to the charge. The charge. Verses four through six. Now when we talk about the charge, don't think about... That's the wrong charge, okay? What we're talking about here is this commandment, this directive of Almighty God. He has charged us to do something, okay? He has directed us to do something. He's commanded us to do something. Look at verses 4 through 6. You've charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees that then I will not be ashamed when when I compare my life with your commandments. And so the commandment here, I hope you were able to spot the charge, especially since he said, here it is. The charge is from God, and he says, I charge you to keep my commandments carefully. Keep my commandments carefully. Okay, now in order to keep the commandments of God carefully, then there's a very important thing that needs to be brought into play here, right? And that is that I must know what the commandments of God are. I must know how God's directing my life. I must know what God desires for me as his child. I must know what God desires for me as a pastor of this church. I must know what God desires for me as a husband, as a dad, as a granddad. I must know what God desires for me so that I can keep the commandments. If I don't know then how am I going to do that? Because quite honestly, a lot of the things God teaches us go so against what is natural. I mean, it's just so out of the ordinary that you wouldn't just wonder upon it. And yet we're going to see in just a couple of minutes how vital it is that I know and I keep the commandments of God. So he says, here's the commandment, and I want you to keep it carefully. Now please get this. As I was thinking about this particular concept, that God wants us to keep His commandment carefully, I began to think how best to illustrate it. And the best way I can come up with, and I think it's dead on, is to picture yourself holding a little map and the map has directions to help you wander through a minefield. Now, as long as you follow the map, as long as you follow the directions on the map, then you will get through the minefield without any difficulties. But if you get off course, then you're very apt to step on a landmine, and it causes great disaster and devastation in your life. Okay, so here's the same thing in my spiritual life. I've got this little map. And God leads me through His Word. And He leads me through a world that is filled with people who want to bring me down spiritually. I've got an enemy, the Bible says, that walks about like a roaring lion looking to devour I mean he's looking not not just to to offend me, but he's looking to destroy me. And so I've got to carefully follow the instructions in this little mouth. As long as I do, then where I step, my next step is determined by the Lord. And my next step is determined by the Lord. Now, if I get my eyes off the Lord, if He no longer is priority in my life, if He no longer has the place of God in my life, I've made it something else, then I'm very prone to start wandering off the course. The problem is when I wander off the course, I'm very much capable of finding one of the landmines. And when I step on a landmine, it can destroy my family it can destroy my relationship with others. It can ruin my testimony. Are you seeing this? So here's my guide. Here's my directive. Here's what God is saying. In order to avoid the pitfalls and the landmines in this world, you gotta know my word, you gotta know my commandments. And you've got to walk them carefully, carefully, carefully. Don't don't abruptly go in a different direction. Know what God wants for our lives so that we avoid the things that will bring destruction and hurt and harm. For those of us who have wandered off and we've found landmines before, we know the hurt and the devastation that causes Can we just speak to you as a group now and say, hey, you better stay on course. You better stay on course. It is a painful, painful thing to wander away from what God wants. So he says, here's the commandment. Here's the directive. Here's the charge. Keep my commandments carefully. And he says then in verse uh, verse 5, rather, he says, Oh, that I could do that consistently. (laughs) Let me just read you the full verse. Verse 5. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Now, I want you to know something. In looking at that verse, I find great hope. I find great hope. Because what he is not saying is, those of us who have... Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Those of us who have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God are going to live perfectly. No, in fact, the writer of this chapter, David, knew exactly what it was to find one of the landmines. You remember what he did? Committed adultery with Bathsheba and then killed her husband to hide it. Man, he, he messed up a lot of things there. And we could go into detail about what all happened as a result of him finding that landmine. As a result of him getting off course. But that will have to be saved for another day. But I can tell you what. The blessing is that David wasn't saying, Okay, well if you you get off course, you can just forget it. There is no hope. But in fact, what I see in this, that there is hope. That David had failed. David had messed up. And yet God brought him back. God brought him back to the place. See, this is the important thing. When we get off course, God begins to discipline us to bring us back into line. Now, the reason God does this is not because he just wants to beat us up. It's because God knows the best place for us. The safest place for us. The place of greatest blessing is right here on the course that he has established for us. And so God disciplines to bring us back. Yes, sometimes we go too far and we find a landmine, and man, there is destruction. And yet, even then, there's hope. Even then, God wants to bring us back to this place where once again, we are back on the path. And then finally, in this this particular section he shows us the consequences of that In verse 6 he says the consequences are that I don't have to be ashamed okay the consequences of my oh that I could be consistent and the consequences of consistency are that I don't have to be sh- ashamed of my life when I compare my life with your word a lot of the times we look into the Word of God and we start comparing our lives and it is total embarrassment and humiliation. The same thing we've done to our Savior and humiliating Him with the way we live our lives. We begin to see it and it is a great mockery. And so David writes, if I could just be consistent. There is a problem there, isn't there? We have this human nature that messes things up. And unfortunately, we follow that human nature instead of following the Spirit of God that lives in us. And so in the same verse that we find great hope, we also find that there is a loss of hope. And you may be saying, man, you just blew it. You had me up there thinking, oh, wow, there's hope for me. And then you say, well, now we're going to falter, we're going to mess up, we're going to stray off. How do I get out of that How do I get to the place to where I don't mess up as often? How do I get to the place to where I am am following more closely, more carefully the commandments of God? Well, that's point number three. Get ready to write. Number three is the maturing. The maturing. We see the blessed, we see the charge, and number three, we see the maturing. The maturing. We see it taking place. Verse 7. He says, as I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. As I learn your righteous regulations. Okay, here we find that the Word of God was instrumental in his growth and maturity. As he before had this inconsistent life... By learning and developing and making the Word of God a priority, all of a sudden he was learning the regulations, and it brought about a result of thanksgiving. I will thank you. And the way he's going to thank God is by living a life that he should. And that, of course, comes through the Word of God. Now, I've talked about this several times already, but let me hammer it one more time. How vital is the Word of God in our lives? About three years and one month ago, uh, God had led me to a particular place in in the Bible, Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. And I was to teach that day that we can live victoriously above sin. But the problem for me was that I wasn't necessarily being very successful in doing that. Some things in my life were creeping in. They were tripping me up week after week after week. And it was so discouraging to me. And I can remember getting on my knees before God and saying, saying, God, I'm not willing to teach that if you don't first show me how to do it. I'm not willing to go in and be a hypocrite before our church if you don't show me how to do that. God took me to a passage of Scripture. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. I wish you'd write this down. You can turn there if you'd like. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. This was leading up to the point to where chapter 3 and verse 5 took over. God brought me back to the beginning to allow me to see where he had set the table to prepare them for this victory. And here's what it says. It says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Sound familiar? Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction carefully. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you, be, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do? Only then. Only then. God made a believer out of me that day. April the 3rd. And let's fast forward about a month. April 3rd, 2015. Three years ago next month. I started a process by which I started reading and studying and listening to the Bible. And I started into it with great vigor. And I mean with great vigor. And I can tell you that as I did that, the temptations were still there. But they weren't nearly as strong in my life. To where the things that used to trip me up so easily, now it wasn't happening like it was. And I so engaged the Word of God. I'm not telling you this to brag, but I want you to see the point. I so engaged the Word of God that over the next three years, which will take end on April the 3rd, I have gone through the Bible already 48 times, reading, studying, and listening to the Word of God. Now, I can tell you during that three-year period, there have been times when I've slacked off. When I allowed myself to get into other habits Instead of having the Word of God going all the time so that I was listening to it, I allowed other things to take priority. And I can tell you in those times when I slid away from a priority on the Word of God that, that those things that used to trip me up so easily that all of a sudden weren't accomplishing their purpose, now all of a sudden we're doing it again. Now, I'm not saying that reading the Word of God is going to take away your temptation. but What I am saying is that as we read the Word of God, and we submit to God to allow His Holy Spirit to take it and use it to grow us and develop us, there will be a maturing that takes place in that process that will allow us to overcome things that we before did not think we could possibly overcome. I can tell you, three years ago, I was a very discouraged person. I'm pastor, and yet I'm failing like this week after week. I have found the joy of victory, and that victory comes through an in-depth involvement of God's Word. And I so strongly encourage you to follow me and pursue me into that. It will make an impact on your life. Well, there's one more thing that needs to be brought out. Number four, and please don't put your notes up. Most likely, I'll give you something here to write down. Number four, we see the plea. The plea. Notice verse 8. He says, I will obey your decrees, please don't give up on me. I will obey your decrees, please don't give up on me. There's two parts to this. I see a determination, and then the second part I see a realization. The determination is, okay, I made up my mind, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be obedient to your commandments my determination nothing's going to detract from that I've already made up my mind this is what I'm going to do but all of us who've ever made that determination know that the spirit is willing but oh my how the flesh is weak and so David in this verse says here's my determination but there's also the realization that God you know all about me And you know I'm determined to do this, but you also know how vulnerable and how weak I am. And so God, in the middle of this, don't give up on me. In other words, God, don't expose me while you're trying to heal me. God, you've got every right to discard me. You've got every right to push me away, say you had your chance. But what a blessing it is to know that his mercies are new every morning. So, what do we do with this information? You know, as I think about it, I just, it brings me to the place where I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for not giving up on me to this point. You had every right to. But thank you for not. Thank you, God, for the blessings that you have poured out on my life. Man, the longer I live, the easier it is to spot those blessings. I was just thinking yesterday, wow, look at what God's done. For us just to pause now and say, thank you, God. Thank you for your blessings. You know, while those of us who are part of the family of God have that privilege and that opportunity, those of us here today who don't know Christ as Savior, you're missing out on. I, this morning ask you to respond to this message simply by saying okay God I want to know your son is my savior I put this off long enough I want to know your son is my savior today so here's what you would do in just a minute I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm just going to give you a moment of, of quiet and solitude as you spend time with God but for those who do not know Christ as savior my invitation to you is I'm gonna ask Mickey to be right here at the front and if you would when we start the invitation time and I invite you to do so would you just quietly move from your place make your way to the aisle that's closest to you and come and meet Mickey right here Mickey will show you or, or lead you to someone who can show you how you can know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior would you do that today if God's leading you to be part of our church family God's leading you to be obedient to the matter of baptism. And I invite you also to come and see Mickey. And let's start one of those processes for you today. Would you do that?